Welcome to Arvid's Almanac, a podcast hosted by queer settlers navigating decolonial healing through herbal medicine and myth, queerness and magic, astrology and ancestral connection. My name is Rue McDonald. I'm a non-binary witch, place and story-based learning facilitator uh, through the Queer Directions Learning Center here on Lekwungen territories, so-called Victoria, BC. I'm Micah McDonald, they, he, a clinical herbalist, ecologist, and writer living in Abenaki territory in Vermont. I'm Kenzie. I use pronouns ZK, they, she, an intuitive herbalist, sex posse pleasure activist, gender fluid mermaid, mother of a Scorpio siren, and steward of Wild Faith Wellness and the Sex Herbalist. Welcome back, everyone. This is part two of our conversation with Sean Fitzgerald, and without further ado, we'll get right into it. So yeah, that's kind of a question, I guess, is like, how do we, on the one hand, realize that we do need to um, uh, remember and, and reclaim and kind of relearn who our people were before they were colonized and before they even became white and at the same time not get sucked into uh, mind traps about like a purity of identity or um, that there's one correct way to worship the ancestors you know that it's like a fine line I wonder if you have any thoughts on that um, that's a big question <laughs> no I've no thoughts on that at all no you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, um could you ask me an easier no, no. um yeah it's um you know what it is it's like if you bring up even uh decolonization in ireland we we'll always think of the english english government and blah 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 and um we don't think of ourselves being colonizers at all like um so the conversation will always go back to maybe um sort of like sort of your liberal thinkers would be like well it's about forgiveness it's about forgiveness of the english and blah 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 and you're going no but like you know what i mean it's you know actually there's another hateful thing um so during the whole black lives matter thing on the internet there was a big thing and i've actually met people saying this of like oh the irish were slaves too you know the irish were kind of and you're just like why why must we compare like why must we compare different tragedies to other horrific events should i say um you can't compare and you know what i mean even the whole idea of irish being slaves it's completely anyway i shouldn't even mention that but it's just like they're both horrific events and it's this kind of like uh it's nothing to do with me like you know what i mean i'm 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 one of the goodies, you know, um, and I think that's it. Is like because we, do, it's gone back to the awkward thing of like it's awkward to say, okay, well, you know what I mean. These these are my ancestors too, and I was part of all this. Like, you know what I mean. Um, it, it's 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 a tough one, like you know, and it is going back to what you were saying of it's it's um, it's easier to follow what somebody else is telling you, you know, of like and this kind of white identity thing um, drives me nuts, if I'm honest. Right. That's an important point because both right-wing but but any group um, 
who is inheriting a colonial mentality is is trying to paint themselves as the victim in order to claim an innocence, you know, to claim innocence and purity, um, which then kind of you know deflects the guilt, and that's kind of a classic um, tool of the colonizer because the colonizer themselves is so traumatized and they keep perpetuating trauma. Um, that the guilt, if we admitted guilt, it would just be too much to handle. Um, but also this is this is a classic um, characteristic of modernity, is to decide that one thing is true and then to just settle on that and just be like, this is truth, I'm going to live this. And it doesn't actually have to be uh, backed up by actual facts or lived experience and... Um, and you you mentioned like getting too comfortable with you know the images and that's 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 so much what modernity does is it decides with a very convenient platitude that you know all the world is grand because xyz is true um and the new age is really guilty of this like a lot <laughs> um but that um also that orthodoxies are modern and that fascism is modern again like traditionalism in the conservative sense is modern and i think that people forget that when they are going down a right-wing identitarian road they are engaging with modernity they are not um you know radical revolutionaries against modernity they are moderns when they claim um this kind of like pure identity going back to like an authentic uh, you know, race purity, like those are, those are modern concepts. Let's, let's not forget that. And also, you know, it's, it's pretty ironic because the right often accuses the left of, uh, engaging with identity politics. But the truth is, it is the right is always engaging with identity politics, you know, um, just maybe just a more traditional authoritarian kind. I mean, white supremacy is identity politics so <laughs> i just want to drop also the 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 greatest example right now in the u.s is the the right wingers being anti teachings of the critical race theory in school and what's so interesting about that is like critical thinking is not taught in i'll just speak from the american the public u.s perspective but like critical theory of anything is not taught in school. And so it's, it's so big, the, like, it's so obvious in that context, like, oh, they're trying to continue to erase history of who is the perpetrator, who's the perpetrator and, um, disempower our children from knowing truth and critically thinking and, so much of their storyline is like, oh, we don't want our children to be um, feel guilty about their past in a way that's harmful. And it's like the whole reason why trauma is embedded in our cultures is that we have unlearned somatic practices around healing from trauma. And so, and a big part of it is teaching a lie and not speaking truth, not creating restorative justice around telling truth. Um, and it takes a lot of courage to be in that place of being a truth teller. Um, and I'm 
constantly dubbed the the conflict bringer because I'm always going to be the one like I discount I like I'm Scorpio rising here like I love watching people squirm in their discomfort it's like it's quite pleasurable and I like being uncomfortable too and I think that's why I enjoy I deeply feel like my spiritual path is racial justice because um, it's really fucking uncomfortable as a white person. And I think that's what's so powerful is the choice to change the way you perceive the world and the way you perceive your interpersonal relationships. Um, But to weave it back into the story is like this protection of purity, right? Like what Etna, what, what she's embodying, but also the lineage she's bringing into the world is a blended world, is a world mixed of different stories of different, and even in this story, there are so many different um, cultures that are being represented and how like the, there's also this, um, this theme throughout folklore of who's good, who's evil, how that changes over time based on colonization and who is in power. Um, and also, you know, how we, yeah, dethrone or kill the who's wrong. And, um, but like, how do we tell the story from different vantage points? And also my spouse and I talk about this all the time about how like people have been intermingling, interculturally mixing, our languages are mixed for ever and it's this interesting even within cultural appropriation it's like the line is there is a moment where the line is blurred where it's like is this actually cultural mixing is this a cultural experience where we're learning from one another in a way where we're honoring one another um there is a way to be in practice with other cultures that is in a and a lot of that i think a way to do that well is through the land relationship is through asking the land being in a place where like, okay, well, I don't have the answers. My ancestors, I didn't learn from my ancestors. Who can I learn from? Well, the closest living part to you is the land that you live on. And that there's, I think that there's so much storytelling through, through the land of, you know, the fertility of the land being based on, the pillaging, the raping of the land, but also the nourishment of like, where, where is the old growth and what do they have to say? How do we honor the old growth? How do they tell us our stories? Um, and just like flipping purity on its side and on, you know, it's, it's as a person who is constantly trying to teach people to embody their pleasure, because, you know, this is, this is heavy stuff, right? Like, we should all be taking breaths, like deep breaths through having these conversations because we can get so heady and wrapped up in the story and harm brings disembodiment, disconnection. Um, and Etna just had desire of connection, right? Like in this, in this telling of the story, she dreamed of, of this lover and that there was a love at first sight, like this was meant to be, you know? And I think that there's a lot of not knowing what the right thing is to do in relationship to other lands, different cultures, um, or even a reclam in reclamation, um, because we're not embodied. Um, so yeah, how do we create pleasure and create space for joy? Um, because that's for me where, when I light my candles to Venus and like do pleasure connection with Venus, like that's when I can hear 
my ancestors speaking to me. That's when my queer witch ancestors are the most prominent. When I feel courage, when I feel like I have something to say, it's when I'm grounded in a place of centeredness within myself. Um, and also discerning those voices that don't serve me, that are my ancestors, that haven't done their work in perpetuating harm. And um, it's layered, but how do we, within the harm that has been done and continues to be done by ourselves, by being a white person causing harm, um, how do we also like do the embodiment practices of being in right relationship with land and spirit and going swimming in the ocean and hearing what the answer is? What do we do? How do we act? How do we, how do we be embodied and feel that love, feel that connection of the father with the daughter, feel the care and um, yeah, surrender. How do we create a surrendering space where we do feel like we belong? Something, something you said triggered me to make this connection in that what, what, what distinguishes between the new age and what I kind of call the post new age, you know, those people, those of us who've moved through the new age to something else. And, um, I think the piece that I, that you triggered me to think about is that in order to move into the post new age, we have to consider that we are the bad guys. <laughs> like what if we are the perpetrators? And that is like a totally radical shift in consciousness to me because then we cannot say that we're innocent and we cannot say that we haven't done harm and we cannot say that our actions are justified because sometimes they're not. And so then you you then open yourself up to feel the other range of emotions, which includes guilt about something we have done harm to other people that's like that's huge and that's what i see the new age is not willing to do um i kind of see the new age because i think some people in the new age understand that harm has been done by other people like they at least see the harm but they don't yet realize that they need to take responsibility for it they create elaborate edifices of stories on how like we're all ascending to this new plane and whatever and I think it's all just a ruse to avoid feeling guilty and because honestly like the harm is so huge that I have for much of my life tried to avoid that guilt because it is so huge and so painful and um, I think we need to stop you know, we need to stop believing in those narratives because otherwise we're we're just going to keep perpetuating the harm. Like that's, I don't know, that's something I've been thinking about. So the, the people who used to interest me um, would have been the Celtic Twilight. It would have been like the late 1800s come in. So it would have been people like Yeats and A. Russell and Ella Young and so many more mod gone. And some of these people involved were, were also um, immigrants and you would have classed them as new age because they were getting a lot of the spirituality that like they were from other cultures. Um, but to find, to find their own Irish 
kind of identity, but it was the ideas were taken. But really, what 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 I, in my opinion, what I think the turn was when they started reading Standish O'Grady, who 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 was also a Protestant landlord. Um, but it's like, so it's like we we love putting people on a pedestal. You know what I mean? And it's just like, look, there's all these different things. So really, geez, I'll be slapped in the back of the head, but it's like they were New Agers. That's what they were. But the separation of them was they went off to rural areas. They learned Irish and they went back into street kids and they're teaching them mythology and they're teaching them Irish. And it's just this... um, it's it's a different thinking. So then we'll say your your modern new age, whatever. It's it is very self centered, you know. It it's just I don't know. It, it's 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 very um, kind of doing what you want without consequences. That's that's not a liberty. That that's a license, you know. So it's 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 like you are. Um, it's it's very different than. Um, if you want native thinking or older thinking. Um, and that's it. We should like always question even the languages, the language we use, you know, um, it's like um, just before um, you came on, Kenzie, I was talking to Mike and I was saying that I was like going, I was looking through this old story that I read earlier of Shane O'Dugan. And it was like, now you have to think I live in rural Ireland. Okay. So I'm middle-aged. Um, and the main people I would meet are in their 60s. So a lot of, I'm not making excuses, a lot of the pronouns and stuff I see on the internet, and I'm, I'm still learning. And um, so I was saying, I was trying to rewrite in about an hour. I was like, they, and then them, and then I was trying to change the whole thing. And I was just making an absolute hames of it. And then I was like, should I come on and apologize first? Or what, what way should I do this? And then I started kind of going, wait, no, no, no. And um, what will I do? What will I do? And if I'm honest, I have to ask somebody, <laughs> right? And they're saying, it's, it's, an old, it's an old telling, like, read it as it is. Why are you like, you know what I mean? There's no need to fucking, you know what I mean? So it's yeah, you kind don't of, have to take responsibility for his language you, as long as you're like, Hey, here's here's a um, disclaimer. Don't get me wrong. I, I I'm guilty of it myself, and, and and it's just like, it's it's it like it is. It's for like it's it's for us all. It's it's a pro. It's a constant process of learning. And and if you think you know it all, like that's that's when you've got it wrong, isn't it? Like you know. Um, and then going back to what you were saying, it's like um, even in our mythology, sure, it's people coming in. It's not like you know. They were always coming in, all these, the two of them down, and even though they're saying, oh, they're the Irish, they came in. You know what I mean? There's always people coming in. And it's like, then if you want to go on and, and um, like, even our stories. So they say a lot of our stories came from trade. So we'll say a lot of people would link in the Greek mythology um, with the Irish. And is it Apollo? Is Lou? No, I, I'm not up on my Greek mythology. But it's like, so it's linked from trading. So it's the constant fusion of people constantly mixing and this idea of that anything being this pure anything whatever it's 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 like you know it's a you know it's a dangerous word but it's it's just like um people people like wearing a badge they like 
a Celtic badge. This is me. This is my identity. And they don't question it. Like, they don't question it at all. Like, it's the badge. It's the, you might as well be wearing some, you know, music group badge. You know, whereas, no, it's like, it's Celtic. It's whatever. You know what I mean? It's just don't, like, I get it. I understand it. You know, it makes life easier. You know, this is me. This is my identity. I'm whatever I am. Um, but it should be just the constant question of language and, and how we think and getting back to the awkward thing, you know, and getting back to us being the baddies, you know? Yeah. And like you said, like our history is always hybridized um, and um, there is never any kind of like purity of any culture, especially not cultures you know of european ancestry where people were constantly moving back and forth so any claim to that is you know going to be false like inherently um but but i also want to mention something that you uh stimulated me to think about in that like what is the difference between kind of new age spiritual practices versus like practices grounded in some kind of like um localized tradition that actually has like a long lineage of practice and that's based in folkloric um folkloric knowledge and it is exactly what you said with regard to like yates and modgon and those you know the celtic twilight period where sure they started as new age but some of them re tried to reroute themselves back into the land and what was that about that was about cultural consent like they engaged with com local communities and learned from them and got consent to at least learn. I don't know if they got consent to kind of write the books or whatever, but um, I think it's about, yeah, consent. Because if somebody, if you're in direct relationship with your informant or your teacher, then they can tell you like, no, you got that wrong, <laughs> you know? And that's something that the New Age can't really do anymore because a lot of the New Age is spread through books or the internet. Um, and yes, there are groups, but um, do, you know there are covens or whatever, and that's awesome. But um, like, what is arising out of relationship with the land where you're in is one question. But also, like, are you having consensual relationships with the communities? Um, that those traditions come from and also the land where it comes from because a good example is that guy from the UK who put that bonfire on um, in that sacred site. Like, that was not consensual. He got nobody's consent for that. So, um, yeah. Well, I think that that's a beautiful place for all of us and anyone listening to think about around who are your elders and do you ask them about their stories and where they come from and also the land that you live on, learning more about what the heritage of your land is and um, and more of a diverse experience of what that history, how that history might be told. And also um, trying to look at the stories that we've all been told and what vantage points they come from and maybe there are different ways to experience those so i wanted to ask you sean um what projects are you working on and which ones would you like listeners to know about um 
I'm working on a few. So I'm in, I've come to the conclusion I'm in no rush, right? Because there's a lot to, so I, I have been working for the last two years on an Irish mythological tarot deck. Of course, now you're going, oh, tarot, mixing it in with other. But yes, so there's an awful, awful lot of work in that yet to be done. Like I have done a lot, but there's an awful lot to be done. And I'm still, I'm I'm doing it with a a, um, a tarot reader who um, works on the Hill of Tara called uh, Amanda Healy. So um, it's it's like, it would be Amanda doing the book, I'm doing the cards, but it's like the, it's the constant symbolism. So I, I would be normally a lot used to being a lot freer, um, but yeah, so that that's a big one. But again, that's been on for the last two years. Uh, there's a children's book um, based on old folklore. Um, can't say much about that yet, if I'm honest, because it's very new. And then there's one I've been working on for years. Um, so yeah, like the, my my other book, The Last Battle of Moitura, like, you, yeah, I'm slow. Like, I'm not... Um, I enjoy taking my time, if I'm honest. I don't like rushing things. I know I should be probably, people are always saying like, you know, just put it out there. So it took me about 10 years to get that book out, you know, but I like, I'm happy with that book, you know? So it's it's just, it's like, you know, I can take as much time. I, I made a decision years ago. There was a friend of mine years ago, Nick Jennings, he's a painter. And the, um, they like, they would be just tiny, tiny dots, just stipple of paint. And it always really impressed me. And I always thought, like, even if someone taught my drawings were crap, they'd say, wow, how many hours did they put it up? And that really pushed it. So I was like, okay, every every page is going to get that. So now they go, even, even if someone thinks they're crap, they go, wow, the amount of time it took, you know. <laughs> But anyway, getting yeah, going back anyway to answer your question a bit quicker, quicker than that. Um, yeah, so I am working on one. Uh, it's it's well, the working title is uh, Megalithic Donegal. So it's on all these sites and all these experiences and these gatekeepers, and it's like it's a book. It's basically the northwest of Ireland and these sites and people's experiences. So it's not just going in saying this stone is. 10 feet high and this is it's linking in the stories because it's something I've been into since I was a teenager and I always find you meet somebody who lives in the area and they'll say oh did you ever know that there was such a story and such a and I've always collected them you know like you do when you have when you have an interest and I'll just make notes and these days before it used to be in a notebook these days I just write it down in a kind of a notepad on my phone and so I have all these in Donegal and then it's just to do the drawings, to do them justice. There'll be a couple of photographs, but I, I want it to be more about the illustrations and, and the stories behind them, you know? So that that's that's wow. another one. I'm so. so excited for all of those projects. Oh, oh my gosh, gosh. Oh, children's book. But also to mention, you all just completed y- your third issue, correct? Of the... Yes, journal. Oh yeah, so about everything. You know what it is? That's this happening is right now. Yeah, and and we've got some great writers in it. This you might know some of the writers that are in this. A few, you know, know <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, so Lucy and myself, we're, we're we're like really pushing that as well. Um, again, yeah, and I should mention it more. I, I'm terrible at the kind of sale pitch, you know. But yeah, like Lucy came up with the whole idea of Hermit's Journal, and I was only I I was involved in kind of uh, well, I was very involved in in zines in the late eighties and nineties of more grassroots stuff of like uh, 
a lot of the early stuff was kind of um, political stuff of uh, Irish prisoners being wrongly convicted of bombings uh, carried out by the IRA, stuff like the Guildford Four, Birmingham Six, uh, Martin Forum, who was convicted by the same police who convicted the Birmingham Six, who only, only got out recently. And it's just so there was a lot of grassroots stuff like Irish punk, like anything that to me that was saying something. Uh, because um, growing up, like a lot of people, I was very dissatisfied. I went to um, Catholic school run by priests. Um, I could go on. Um, uh, major hatred of the church and organized religion. Um, so suddenly getting into megaliths as an interest and then suddenly coming across the spiritual. I would still have a lot of issues with certain words like prayer, things like that. But it's it's some of it is my own kind of crap because it's just being brought up in that heavy, heavy um, Catholic uh, upbringing, you know? So my whole road would have been Catholic. And then the one house that were Protestants, you'd be like the Protestants. That's how you <laughs> kind of like you put your hand up towards your mouth. Just, um, so it's, you know, that 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 is my background um so to me it was the anger and frustration of all that sectarian crap now again i was not experiencing sectarian stuff like in ulster i'm originally from monster so it's like but it was all that crap and that's what really pushed my own zine and music so then then i stopped a long time ago uh, and then to be asked to get involved in all this again was like wow but it's 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 a different angle and it's it's um you know and again as always i'm straying off point but again it was it was fantastic to have you writing in it and you know absolutely honored it was, it was, it was brilliant you know it really was like you know i found even during this whole conversation i was zoning out and i just kind of i don't know if you know i'd be kind of just listening and i'm like oh shit, i better I better actively engage here. Wait, it's about me. I forgot. No, I just, I want to thank you and honor you for all that you do. And, um, and also all that you think about, like, I just, yeah, I'm really inspired by, by you and Lucy and, and others who are engaging in like reconnection to land and, and heritage. But, from a from a decolonial um lens where we recognize like we can't we can't sit on our laurels like we have to think about this stuff really carefully there's a lot of political pitfalls like all around us um and and also i just want to honor your art like your art is gorgeous and and the way i think that both you and lucy have um, created this kind of sacred container for Arvid's journal, which just really feels like sacred art, both in word and in form. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you. It really is an honor for us. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed our sibling banter. I hope it wasn't. <laughs> it's like I'm sure you glaze over sometimes. And we're like, oh yeah, well, then it is sibling. No, I, I honestly just just sitting here. I, I'm just enjoying this. I was in a way. I was like, I hope they don't ask me another question. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's fascinating. And to go back, um, sorry, this is going way off point, but you referred to a new book. You're working on a new. Oh me, yeah. Well, it would be it would be um, 
book two of my series, Poet, Prophet, Fox. Um, but It's so good. Yeah. The book one is available, but book two is not yet. So. Have you read book one? No, I haven't. No, I have oh, to, I have you to are to going me. to pee your pants. You're going to waft so much during the whole read. Just waft, you know? Tears, <laughs> so this is this is the word of the whole podcast waft, waft. i know i'm using it out of context <laughs> but in the title for sure <laughs> no it's brilliant no and i'm, I'm looking forward to reading it. absolutely yeah, totally. yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining us no, thank you You're such a pleasure much. thank you everyone for listening if you appreciate this podcast please like and subscribe and also be sure to follow Sean Fitzgerald on Instagram at Sean Fitzgerald Art. You can also support this work um, on our Patreon membership program, which is uh, patreon.com slash Arvid's Almanac. Thanks so much. <laughs>